Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. Thank you very much for joining us. This week in the studio, I have the pleasure of good friend and uh, fellow entrepreneur, Dr. Jeffrey Sharp. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Barry. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well. Not too bad at all. Uh, thanks for joining us. And as always on, on our podcast, what we like to try and do is give people a little bit of an insight into the person that I'm speaking to, and then we'll get into your own personal journey. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Jeff. Where did your journey start in terms of professional life, um, getting into this particular area of, of, um, of dentistry, if you like, and correct me if I've got that wrong already, <laughs> but uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Jeff. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for, thanks for having me on your show, Barry. Um, um, it's a real treat to, to be here and to talk to you about some of the things that I've been doing. Um, as you said, I'm a dentist and um, for the last, uh, where are we now? 2020. So for the last uh, 15 years, I've specialized in an area called periodontics, which is basically gums. gums I'm glad you said that before I had to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where did all that start? Um, I, was, I was born and raised in the north of England. And um, growing up, actually, um, I, I wanted to be a dentist from quite a young age. Our, our family dentist was, was quite, um, quite good at explaining things. And, and somehow we just made things sound interesting and, 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 and fascinating right. in a, <laughs> when most people would be utterly put off by, uh, by those sorts of things. <laughs> I was intrigued and I, and I really found it interesting. So towards the end of my schooling, I, I started to, to think a bit more about possible careers and, and, and remembered visiting the dentist and, and, and basically tried to position myself in a place where I could get into dental school. Okay. Um, and, and I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really consider many other careers at that time. Um, right. So off I went uh, to dental school, um, had a blast, really enjoyed it, um, and, and thought that I would just come out the other end as a, a regular dentist. Right. But whilst I was there, um, there were some changes going on in the UK at that time. And the authorities introduced formal specialities of, of different aspects of dentistry. Right. So, uh, for example, um, you probably heard of orthodontists who straighten mm -hmm. people's teeth. Yep. Um, and then there's, there's, there's several other individual specialities. And uh, we were kind of, I mean, this is in the mid-90s. We were, we were kind of given this idea that... Um, dentists would specialize in these things and um and people would seek treatment from a specialist in the same way that um medicine doctors work you know mm -hmm. you see your general family doctor and then he might refer you to a, a cardiologist if you've got a heart problem or, or, or so on so um uh i did in fact work for a, a few years as a normal dentist and then mm -hmm. i went back did my masters and uh, and finally um, became a periodontist, which, uh, as I said before, is a, is basically someone who specialises in, in gum problems predominantly. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and for, again, the first few years of that career, um, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed the work. Um, it took me to various different clinics and practices in the UK. Um, and in a way, that was, that was almost why I came here in some ways, because I found that I was making life a little bit too difficult for myself. You know, I was spending a day here, a day somewhere else, a day yet somewhere else. And there wasn't much consistency or stability. I loved the work, but mm. I was moving around far too much. And was, um, that a, was that due to your specialism or was that sort of your choice to be able to deal with different patients in different parts of, of, the, of the country at that point? Um, the way I explained it at the time was that there just, well, because it's such a niche area, there just wasn't enough work in one place. Right. And um, I look back now, uh, now I have my own business, <laughs> um, and, and maybe I just didn't invest the amount of time and, and energy in building the relationships because a lot of my work comes from other dentists. You know, if they're not offering specialist gum treatment in their own clinic, then um, I'm very lucky that they often refer to me. And that's, that's one reason why I set up the business is to serve other dentists in this community. Um, but it, it is about relationships. And, and I felt like at that time in the UK, it was such a big investment of time and energy that ultimately not didn't just reward me, but I was kind of, I felt like I was building up other people's businesses. Right. You know, I was, yeah. I was working for, for somebody else at the time. And, and I, and I just kind of, I just couldn't be bothered with, with, uh, <laughs> you know, with putting in that, that amount of, uh, of time and effort when, when I knew it was a, a somewhat transient gig. So, um, and, I went um, where the work was. And that right. Was, and I was going to say, was that, what was it about the UAE then that was sort of the, uh, well, what, what was the attraction of it? Was there a, a plethora of work that you knew was available for you here? Or was it just one of those things we thought, you know what, I've, I've heard about that part of the world. It looks interesting. Let's give that a shot. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. So um, there I was traipsing around the UK, enjoying work, but, but not enjoying the big long commutes. And I, and I just started thinking, well, maybe, maybe there are other options. Maybe, maybe there is more consistent work somewhere else. Um, I like to travel. I'd never lived overseas at that point. And I was on the fence for quite a while. And then I, I happened upon an, an advertisement for a periodontist, which is what I am, here in Dubai. And actually, it was to take over from um, a previous periodontist that was about to retire. So that was somewhat reassuring because I knew that this guy had been in his practice for a long time and therefore you would expect that there's a track record there there's, there's you know there's patients or dentists sending sending patients to that clinic mm -hmm. so um this was in 2009 i um i responded um that led to a phone call or, and then i think then a skype interview and then a trip to dubai and um and one thing led to another and and i thought you know what this is this is something that I should do, you know, right. it's, it's, it's an adventure, it's a challenge. <laughs> uh, and, um, yeah. And, and I, and I, and I agreed to come here uh, at the end of 2009. And I honestly, I, I felt like I was the only person moving to Dubai at that time. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were here uh, then, Barry. So, um, but you know, and, and I had cold feet for for a couple of nights, and then I thought, well, my job is still there. You know, uh, um, let's give it a shot. Yeah. And, uh, why not? <laughs> and I came, and like everyone else that came here, I felt like it would be, you know, good for a couple of years and 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 see how it <laughs> went, and hopefully save some money and. And here we are 10 years later and uh, now I'm married with a son and my own business all here in Dubai. So uh, yeah. I think it's amazing how this place uh, does that to us, isn't it? It's, it's quite an incredible <laughs> place. So, so when you came here in 2009, that was still to be employed by somebody, as it were. You were still coming to fulfill a, a role as an employee within someone else's business. Yes, it was. But the attraction was that this was a full-time job in a single clinic. I could... Um, have some consistency in the way that I worked, um, you know, set it up somewhat to my liking um, and, and, and know that I could have my little desk in the corner and do my admin and, and it wouldn't, wouldn't all get done on the train or, you know, in the bedroom at home or anything like that. So um, it was nice to finally be in one place and, and just yeah. do the job that, that I enjoyed. Yeah. And like you said, Dubai, it was a strange time at that time to come here. But the following years, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, they were, they, after riding that initial recession, global recession, it was a good time to be here. And uh, there, there was a lot of opportunity for people who had come during that time and were doing something that was deemed um, worthy and, and valuable to people. So it was, uh, it was an interesting time to be here. Um, so 2009 brought you over here and then you were working. Did you, did you, um, stay in the same role or employment until the moment of deciding to to move out on your own. Yes, um, yeah, I stayed with the same company uh, all that time, and I was pretty happy there. You know, I, I had I had patients to see, you know, nice colleagues, um, not very much to complain about. Right. But the longer I was there, and and again, looking back on my earlier jobs. Um, prior to coming to Dubai, you, you kind of often feel like, well, if, you know, if it was my business, I'd be doing it this way, or, yeah. you know, this, this worked really well at, at that place. Why can't we do it here? Mm-hmm. Or why, why on earth are we doing this thing when, when it's clearly not working, you know, so that mm-hmm. all of these little niggly thoughts kept going through my mind and um, owning my own clinic was never something that was, I always felt like it would happen one day, you know, right. it was, it was never a, a huge priority. I was far more interested in, in just being a dentist, being a good dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, but having been in that job for a few years and, and finally getting my act together in other areas of my life, I felt like, <laughs> you know what, this, the, the, there's a, there's a better way of doing this, you know, and, right. and, and like, I think many other people that have, that have started something on their own, they've, they want that level of autonomy or, um, uh, you know, they, they want to be able to, to practice or to work in a way that, that really suits them. And, and I think yeah. that's what I was, what I was craving really. Right. And, and yeah, like it's often, I don't know whether this is true for yourself, but it's often a control thing as well, because you see all of these things that are going on and, and can't always impact it because it's not your business. It becomes yeah. increasingly frustrating because you know that, well, I could be doing better if we were allowed to do this or the whole institute or the whole um, company could be doing better if, if 
they would just listen to me if they would just listen to my <laughs> ideas and just implement those ideas. And of course they say, well, yeah, it's interesting, but we're not going to do that or they just don't listen. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, but how, how long did it take you to, for enough of those little, um, those little things to really get you, how long was it before that idea was like, you know what, I think I will do this to, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it was a gradual realization. It wasn't, I didn't just wake up one day and say, right, I'm doing it. I quit. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was just slowly, slowly working away at me. Um, and, uh, I think one of the, one of the triggers was probably, um, Kim and I got married. We met here, you know, you know, Kim, my mm -hmm. wife, um, yeah. we met here in Dubai. Um, and, we got married in 2016 and I, th I think around about that time I, I started to, to really seriously say to her, this is, this is what I'm thinking. What do you, what do you think? Mm. And, uh, she was very supportive of the idea and, and, uh, has, I mean, I literally couldn't have done it without her, <laughs> but, um, um, January, 2017, um, that was when I, Attended my resignation and right. actually left that clinic in, in March 2017. So right. um, it probably built up over a few months, you know, say six months or so before then, you know, when I was seriously thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and then. Nice. Yeah. So a six month know, lead time kind of thing that, that would. Yeah. To, to, to facilitate it. And then, and this is something that I was you know, very keen to talk to you about because your line of work um, requires, first of all, a physical location, which is always something that I find interesting based on my business. I have an office, but I, I previous to having that, it was always that, well, the digital world is digital. I can work from a coffee shop. I can work from the beach if I want to. It's not true. <laughs> I mean, I could, but it doesn't mean I get much done. Um, so actually yeah. having an office, but it wasn't, I didn't have to have that. Um, but, but you would you do need to have that and also i think that in many cases i i employ people but i employ them from a, a geo arbitrage perspective they're not located here in the uae because it's very expensive to employ people here but you also need to have help right that is that right to say that you, you can't do everything on your own oh yeah absolutely i mean um, as, a, as a minimum we need i need a, a dental assistant who's at my side during treatment and i need um, a receptionist who can um, answer the phone and, and make appointments and um, and look after people when they arrive and greet them. Um, so, and and that really is the the, the bare minimum. So it's, yeah. it's utterly impossible to to practice completely single handedly. Um, sure. I am still the only um, the only dentist in this clinic. Um, I, I I hope I won't be forever. I mean, we we we. We actually had plans in place to expand just before the pandemic started. Um, right. So we kind of committed to that, both both physically developing the, the, the spare room and, and getting it fitted out and potentially recruiting other people. Um, so in, in some ways, it's, it's good that we hadn't got a bit further down that line because otherwise our expenses would have really shot up. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, to, to get back to your point, we, you know, I, I have to employ people and that means wearing the HR hat as well as all the other yeah. different hats that the, that the boss wears these days. 
Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, and so that, that's obviously a cost that you have to, to look at. And, um, and an additional, I don't know, it sounds trite, but an additional complication to running your own business, especially from the outset, because a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business people start out saying, well, I will do everything because that's the only way that I can move this forward. And uh, they take off yeah. the boss hat and put on the HR hat and then take that off and put the accountants hat. But then they can't do all of that whilst also, you know, treating patients from that yeah, side of things. Yeah, so you, you yeah, have to have yeah. that. And this is where the, the, um, were you limited in terms of where you could physically go in terms of having um, an office? Was I limited? Um, I suppose the, I mean, there are dental clinics throughout Dubai. Um, mm. I, although I'd, I'd been here for a number of years before I took the plunge to set up, um, I still wasn't fully comfortable with the idea of, of having a sponsor. You know, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to own my own business. So of course that, that really means a free zone and mm-hmm. um, Dubai healthcare city was, if you believe their hype that, I mean, they set up for exactly four people like me, doctors, right. dentists, other healthcare professionals that, that, that want to have hundred percent ownership of their business here. Mm-hmm. And that sounded quite appealing to me. It was um, like, like I think many of the other free zones, it's, it's kind of a one-stop shop. They, they have their, their own way of helping you with the licensing and the setup and all of those things. And the, the only thing that I couldn't really control was the location within Dubai. I mean, there's a number of buildings within Healthcare City, but they're all located in Healthcare City. Yeah. Um, now, you, you can argue whether it's a good location or not. Um, I since I didn't have any say in it, uh, I, I do like the location of Healthcare City. Um, uh, I've got a few snooty patients or dentists even that refer to me and say, oh, why aren't you on the beach road? Or, oh, you need to be in Jamira or I'll whistle yeah. or something. Um, wow. And there's, there's absolutely no reason at all to be in that address. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a prestigious location, but but there's no reason why the dentistry should be any better um, right. and the way I well uh, again the world has changed with with COVID-19 but the way I used to uh, explain this was for, for nearly everybody that, that visits the clinic every patient wherever they wherever they live their their trip here to healthcare city will be shorter than their trip to the airport and they happily do that you know multiple yeah. times a year or they used to <laughs> yeah <laughs> Maybe not so much now um and and you're you're like likely to visit the dentist probably less frequently than than the airport you know and, and dubai yeah. is a it's still a for all it's grown over the years it's still a pretty easy city to get around it you is know, it's, and i think you can't turn your nose up a, a 20 minute drive from, from wherever <laughs> Well, this is it. I think that when people get here, we sort of lose sight of um, certain things. And like you say, suddenly a 20 minute drive is, oh, it's the other end of the world. I'm not going to drive that far. There must be something closer. Um, but realistically, as you said, a 20 minute drive is compar- comparable to what many of us would have done wherever home is. It's nothing. People commute an hour and a half to work every day. Would would go forty minutes this way and that way to get to places because that's where their their dentist was or that's where their doctor was, and it wouldn't wouldn't really be thought of. But for some reason, we get to do. I think, oh, 
yeah that's a, <laughs> it's a long long way and it's, it's interesting because we when we even with this, the podcast we we deliberately tried to keep our um, episodes to begin with only around the 20 minute mark because that was the average commute in, yeah. in dubai you know oh, so wow. that it wasn't people was, wouldn't necessarily have the time to listen to an hour podcast because they weren't commuting on a train for an hour they were in their car or on the metro or, or do, doing you know something where 20 minutes pretty much got them from a to b and that would be that and that was the that was the gap that we were trying to to fill from that side of things but it's yeah having been here for 15 years i'm definitely um familiar with that oh that's that's too far but then thinking about <laughs> thinking that's really not far at all <laughs> it's not far at all um coming back to the the physical location because i've been to the the clinic and so you also have physical machinery that it's not like you could have that in the back in the coffee shop and say yeah you can just just come and see me in starbucks and uh, and we'll we'll, we'll sit in the seat at the back Uh, but how was that element of this um this journey in terms of you had to have a physical location and i think i'm right in that you took it shell and core and had to just fit it out and so tell us a bit about that because that's also something I think for anyone that's listening that's thinking about having a physical representation somewhere it's something that I wanted to talk to you about knowing a little bit about it but I'd I'd like you to tell us a bit more because um how was it from from a to z as it were in terms of you deciding you picking the the place you get it shell and core to then actually opening your doors I I suppose the loaded question was it a smooth process (laughs) (laughs) you know it wasn't You know it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So choosing the location, um, as I said, uh, I'd I'd already made the decision that that it was going to be Healthcare City. There are a couple of buildings, two buildings exactly in Healthcare City that are owned and managed by the free zone itself. Um, And then there are a number of others that are privately owned. And um, um, I need to be careful how I say this, but... um, in my opinion, the, the two that were owned and managed by Healthcare City were completely superior to the others, you know, right. in terms of the, 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 the feel of the building, the quality of it, the, the finishes, the, the, the security, the staff, the, 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 the facilities management people, the cleaners, you know, it was, you, you walk into this building and, and I think it, it's, it suits a clinical building you know there's there's it's clean and tidy and they look after it and mm. sadly i think some of the other buildings weren't quite as as, as well maintained right um, they were cheaper but not not significantly yeah um, right. so um i uh, but i did look at, at many many vacant units and um in in this particular building there weren't that many available at the time or so they told me Right. Um, and obviously I had a, a rough idea of what, what size of a clinic I might need. Um, I wanted to keep it relatively manageable and, and, and not, you know, start out with some huge six chair clinic that was just going to cost me the earth. So, yeah. uh, um, uh, I found the unit and uh, Healthcare City had a list of contractors that had that had done other projects in in the free zone. Right. They, they obviously they wouldn't recommend one over another, but but at least they have a list of people that that, that have been used before. Mm-hmm. And I called all of them, um, and surprisingly, a lot of them said not interested. It's the project's too small. Um, <laughs> you know, we only do uh, over X um, thousand square feet. So. Right. Um, that, that narrowed it down immediately. 
Um, I found a handful that that would help me and um, narrowed it down to about five or six that were that seemed pretty reasonable. Um, what what? Yeah, there's so many things I could say. The, the yeah, don't get yourself into trouble. <laughs> yeah, to, I think to you, you know, you asked me what you know what what how can this help other people who might need mm. a physical location? Yeah. Um, let's let's cut to the chase and say that um, I chose a company. Um, they you know we we worked together on the on the design um, and they came up with a proposal which I agreed to. Um, but with hindsight, um, I think I should have been much more proactive in dictating some of the terms of that contract right. okay. um, because um, it ran over. It ran mm. over time-wise and it ran over budget-wise. And, and I suppose I should have half expected that. But um, when, and, and I already quit my job by now, you know, so I had no income coming in. You know, I was, mm. I was um, ready and waiting to get the clinic set up. So when things run over time and when they, especially when they run over budget, obviously that's just bleeding more and more of my savings away. Yeah. Um, so that was frustrating. And I think, um, I don't know, I've only done it once, but, but uh, I expect that if you do it properly, you, you probably get a contract drawn up that, that is a bit more... Um, precise on the timings and, and maybe has penalties if the contractor doesn't deliver on time, for example. Right. So um, how, how far over were you in terms of, of budget and time in the end that, that you hadn't mm, effectively you hadn't planned for, I guess? Yeah. Well, well, I quit my job in March. I found the unit um, about a month or so later. Actually, I, I, the first one I looked at fell through. Probably it was around May when um, when I actually found the unit I wanted, um, and they started the work in the end of June. It was supposed right. to take about six weeks, and they got as far as putting the flooring down. And I don't know what happened, but for some bizarre technical reason, this flooring material just didn't set for <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and, and they couldn't do anything else. And I, I was just tearing my hair out and <laughs> saying, you must be able to do something, you know, like rip it out, start again, do, do yeah. something. But we can't just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, and then the, the fit out permit expired. We had to get that renewed. Okay. And, then, and then there was a backlog waiting for inspections for things like DEWA and device mm. uh, civil defense. We all have to sign off on these things. So... The, um, the equipment that you mentioned, you know, the dental chair, the x-ray equipment, all of those installations, they didn't happen until December. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had another month or so of setting up our own processes and doing training and getting other accreditations in place. And cut a long story short, we opened a year later in March. So it took right. 12 months. Um, 12 months right when when really i was thinking it should have taken less than six um, right so that was yeah. a, that was that was a setback and and yeah there were some sleepless nights but um, i can imagine yeah although i think it's interesting because they that 
that's a, that's a long time differential to to not have planned for. But I've also spoken to a number of people that even with a, a supposedly airtight contract, um, it's never on time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's yeah, never I know. never ever on time, and uh, yeah. and that these contracts are drawn up with that um, with, with that buffer in it because everybody's sort of knows uh, only through experience you, you wouldn't of course but everybody seems to know that well if they say january then probably plan for may and, and if we get it any earlier than that we're, we're doing well uh, which seems like a crazy way to approach it but in light of your story that's that's that, that happens and, and and as you said the sleepless nights and the worry of, of effectively tw- uh, six months worth of unplanned for downtime where you yeah, yeah. do anything <laughs> Yeah, and and we'd we'd even I'd even hired a couple of staff. Um, you know, supporting myself on no income is one thing, but but when you when you've committed to you know pay salaries to people that that have left their previous job, that 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 was when it really started to hurt. Um, yeah. Now, thankfully, one of them was able to extend her employment with a with a previous job, and that that really helped everyone out. Mm. but it was it was it was a mess actually yeah, and and the, and the, the, the again the, the way that the the terms of the the payment terms for the contract were um massively weighted in favor of the contractor mm. um I, I dug it out because I, I knew you'd ask me this um i paid 35 percent on advance um before they do anything right then 20% when they get all of the approvals you know when they've submitted the drawings mm. and you know, got uh, necessary permits and things in place. Um, so there's there's over um, oh. half the cost before they even started. You know, yeah. re- really started. Um, then another twenty five percent when they're halfway through the physical build out. Ten percent on completion and ten um, percent on uh, final handover. So right. really, that they've got all their money up front essentially so it's it's yeah. hard then to to get them to get a move on because you know they they've, they've got their money there's they, they don't feel the same pain that that i was feeling so yeah. again i'm sure everything's negotiable i think doing it again I, I would be looking very hard about those terms and and trying to spread it out and, and let the contractor share some of the urgency of getting it done <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah if they haven't already got it then they're, they're more likely to not just sit around waiting for the floor to dry and actually come up with a an alternative an alternative solution sorry um yeah. but uh, so it, it raises an interesting question you've got six months there of time that you weren't planning um for um how do you keep yourself sane during that time uh, knowing that you've got yourself and uh, uh, a wife to, to, to support and an employee potentially. Um, how do you keep yourself on the straight and narrow as it were in terms of focused on just uh, the end result and knowing that, or did you still have complete faith that this is going to happen and it's going to, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I, I, I knew it would happen eventually, you know, I, it, it, it's it, it was horrible at the time, but but I knew we'd find a way to 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 get it finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were just there was just an ever growing list of other things that needed to be done that I hadn't even thought of. So um, 
I wasn't just sitting around for six months waiting for the floor to dry. Um, <laughs> you know, there was loads of other things that, that I needed to do. And some of it, you know, just didn't even enter my head until we got there. Um, mm. But again, coming back to Healthcare City, they, they, they have um, an awful lot of what you probably call compliance um, um, regulations, you know, because it's healthcare. You know, there's, yeah. there's just tons and tons and tons of, of, of policies that need to be written and protocols that need to be followed and things to set up. And, um, you know, now, now we are in business. They, they come and inspect us um, on exactly those things. So um, that, was, that was also something of a never-ending task. But, again, it, it's important. It's, you know, it has to be done. Um, yeah. And I would... Um, I was fortunate in that I, I did actually get a part-time job teaching at the university here. So I had one afternoon where I could still put my dentist hat on and, and do a little bit of treatment or at least be involved in dentistry. Right. Uh, so that, that kind of kept me going because um, it's so funny that, you know, all, all these different hats that we wear now on, owning a business, um, still the one that I really enjoy wearing most of all is the, is the dentist hat. You know, yeah. there are other parts of the business that I like and others that are a necessary part of it that I don't care for so much. But, but when I'm with a patient and I'm doing dentistry, that's, that's still the bit I love the most. So yeah. uh, it's good that I could still keep a little bit of that going for the, for the entire year that I, was, uh, that I was setting up the clinic. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's an interesting point because it, I think that's usually the reason any of us decide to take that plunge is to, to, to do the thing that we actually really enjoy doing. Um, but I think I've, a lot, myself included, when I started doing this, um, the digital business, I didn't realize how much time the other hats would take away from me doing that initially. Um, and uh, and that employing people would be the only way to um, to mitigate that circumstance. So I, I never set out myself to set up a, a big agency and employ lots of people, but I ended up employing some people say outside of the country because as soon as I did it changed the entire dynamic of the business and as as you just highlighted it allowed me to then spend more time doing the bit that I actually enjoyed which for me was the digital marketing and, and training people and helping companies and for you the, the dentistry um, but I think yeah. it's, it's really it's really easy for people to forget at the beginning there's no choice you still got to do all the other stuff that you don't really want to do because otherwise you can't focus on the bit that you really want to get, get started on. Um, which I think is the irony of, of, of entrepreneurship and starting your own business because we all do it to work less, earn more, have control over the time. And of course the reality is quite different <laughs> when it comes to, uh, to doing that, but the, the, the time spent doing it does, uh, does have its other, other rewards for sure. So, uh, it's, it's an interesting journey. Um, Coming back to something you mentioned, actually, just uh, before we, we go on to, to sort of the last bit, um, based on the nature of your business, COVID must have, did it shut you down with lockdown? Yeah. I mean, you lit, so having been delayed for so long to start, then you get going, and then a couple of years later, was it literally doors closed, nothing happening, waiting here for, for further instructions? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's. It, I'm always kind of in my mind, I'm always, I'm always aware that, you know, there are a lot of people that have lost their lives or lost their livelihoods to this. So, um, 
I want to be a bit sensitive to that um, mm. and, um, and not complain too much about my business. <laughs> Although um, uh, during, during March here in the UAE, we, we were getting very clear messages from the government to stay at home, don't go out unless it's really necessary. Um, and, and yet we were still open for most of March. And, mm. and I got increasingly uncomfortable as the month went on that, that, you know, everyone was staying at home, people that could work remotely were doing so. And, mm-hmm. and, and we hadn't really had any, any, any strong or any, any actual regulation saying this is what you should or shouldn't do mm-hmm. um, until the end of March. Um, I think it was the 25th. Um, we got some, some uh, regulations from the authorities to say, you can really only do strictly emergency dental treatment. And, and they were pretty much life or death situations, which just don't really exist. Um, so in a, in a bizarre way, it was almost a relief because, I mean, you know, COVID-19 has been with us for quite a few months now, but at that time, everyone was very anxious. No one knew what it was going to be like and, and, and what the future would hold and um, how it might spread. and. I think as dentists, we were considered to be, you know, right in the firing line, you know, working inches away from people's mouths and nose, yeah. generating <laughs> spray and things like that with our instruments. Yeah. So it was, it was a little bit of a relief to, to, to have the decision taken away from us. Um, so we closed all of April, all of May. And then um, on the 1st of June, we reopened with a whole raft of, of additional precautions that we've had to implement. And um, they all make sense to me. Uh, I mean, obviously there's the obvious ones that, that most businesses are doing, you know, temperature checks and mm-hmm. social distancing and things like that. But obviously with the, with the infection control aspect, you know, we've changed a lot of the way that we work. Um, we're wearing much more personal protective equipment. We've got air purification in the clinic. Um, we're, we're spreading out appointments, so we, we're allowing extra time and, um, and, and allowing um, um, time to disinfect things that, that might not have been disinfected before, like the countertop and the computers and the, and the door handles and all of that sort of stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of extra precautions. Um, but actually, since we reopened at the beginning of June, we've been surprisingly busy. And I that's think good. <laughs> that's reassuring. Uh, I, I don't think it'll last forever. I think we're, we're dealing with a combination of a backlog of people that couldn't see us when we were when we were closed. And again, coming back to the, the airport scenario, I, I think a lot of people that would perhaps have travelled for the, the bulk of the summer have stayed here this year. So yeah. um, um, you know that's that's allowed us to get on with treatment on people that, that might have otherwise not been here. Sure. Um, but yeah, sadly, I know a lot of people have lost their jobs or they're on pretty serious pay cuts. And, um, and I think um, it'll be interesting going forward, you know, what, what, the, what the medium term effect will be. Yeah, no, very much so, very much so. But um, okay, so th- this is, and hopefully that the, the powers that be are, are um, resolving it and whatever they decide will be communicated at some point and we will uh, abide by it um, but like you said it, it's had had a devastating effect on on 
everybody and everything i think in some way more 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 than others some more than others um, but uh, hopefully uh, towards the end of this year we'll start to see what the reality for 2021 is going to be um, yeah. for all of our businesses um, with that in mind with the business angle is there anything and this is something i like to ask all our guests from a resource perspective you you've, you've taken this plunge you've gone on this journey you've had the ups and downs from the very outset uh, currently riding out one right now um is there anything that you uh, resource wise would would recommend to people a book a mentor a, a tool uh, just from the business ownership perspective the entrepreneurial side of things that you 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 turn to for example yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them are other dentists, in fact. Um, friends in the UK that, that, that set up their businesses long before I did. Um, um, well-known dental figures around the world, if, if I can use that expression. You know, there, there are people that, that have dental clinics that, that, that make it their mission to help others and they, they write books and, and even have podcasts, uh, you know, interviewing people from the industry. Um, so there's a lot of those, but they are somewhat dental specific. Yeah, so um, I, I guess a way of saying that would be to to reach out to your network. That that's your network in terms of your area of speciality. So reaching out to your network and people that you know for support is a is a great way of of, uh, of tapping into other people's experience. And one of the reasons yeah. we do this is is to to share exactly that. Your story is 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 one that I wanted to talk to you for for about for a while because it has a lot of the things that I I suppose I I would say are stereotypical of trying to start a business here in the UAE with a physical location that uh, that the, the the struggles of, of doing that that you've highlighted um, yeah. but reaching out to your network on the ground here and elsewhere I think is, is a great way of, um, of, of keeping your sanity first of all but also learning um, from others and I think that's always a very valuable lesson to, to, to bear in mind that other people that have got the experience um, I suppose the, the best way I can say is to, to dampen your ego and, and ask, say, hey, you know, what would yeah. you do <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I find that now, you know, the business has been open for, for, for um, over two years. Um, a lot of the decisions I made earlier on, I'm, I'm rethinking and, you know, we, we might be, for example, changing suppliers if we find somebody that I can get on with better or, mm. you know, something that we might have just, just done just to get it done. Now we're looking at it again thinking, you know, there's a better way of doing this. You know, we, we should be doing it this way or that way. Um, so it, it's, I think what I'm realizing th at this point is it's not just, I've done it now. I've, I've set up my business. I can just, I can just work in it. It's, it still continues. You know, there's always, uh, there's always more to come. Constant, constant work in progress. But as you said, right at the beginning is that now that you're the boss, you can make those changes rather than sitting there thinking, Oh, there's a better way of doing it. If only they'd listen, you can say, there's a better way of doing it. Let's do it. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, thankfully, it's as simple as that. You know, there's, yeah. there's no one to ask. There's no committee that has to sign off on all these decisions. It, it can just be, uh, you know, I might run it past a few people, but, but it, you know, you just take the plunge and do it. Which yeah, is nice. indeed, indeed. That's brilliant, Jeff. Well, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. Before we go, what's the name of the business? <laughs> you haven't, we haven't the even name said. of the business is called... <laughs> The Perio Clinic, P-E-R-I-O. Okay, and website is? Perio.ae. Okay, and on social media? It's at The Perio Clinic on 
Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And on Facebook, it's perio.ae. Brilliant. Okay, Jeff. Well, thank you very much for joining us. For everyone else that's listening, uh, we'll put those links. Don't worry, Jeff. We'll put those in the the blog post and (laughs) on the website so that people can find you. Uh, For everybody that has tuned in, thank you very much for listening in. If there is anyone that you know of that you would like us to have a chat with so they can share their experience and their learnings, just like uh, Jeff has, drop us a line at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.